Hi, I'm Kevin Thole, and welcome to Sobriety Elevated. And my name is Jim Pakonin. Together, Kevin and I are committed to elevating your sobriety and deepening your recovery. Join us on another exciting episode, and let's begin. We're so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sobriety Elevated. My name is Jim Pakonin, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Kevin Thole, and I'm here with our guest, our first ever guest, which is, uh, she's pretty amazing. It's my she's wife, Rachel. Absolutely Hi. amazing. Hello, Rachel. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Are you nervous? A little bit. <laughs> A little bit. Okay. That's normal. That's normal. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. So Rachel as Kevin's wife, you've had to be there to support him through, should we just say this journey? Would that be a good way to put it? Is this journey? Yes. This so, journey. Yes, definitely. So for people listening, if you are someone who has a loved one, this would be the perfect episode to share with them. And Rachel, what is like, what is the first thing that you would tell someone who is, who loves an addict or who loves someone in recovery, what is kind of the first thing or the top three things that you might tell them? I would say that I, I understand them a lot and that um, I, can, I can probably relate to a lot of their feelings and emotions. There's just so much that goes into it all that, you know, really was supporting someone who is, whether they're in active addiction or in recovery is focusing on your own recovery and getting help for yourself so that you can remain sane in a very insane environment or situation. So what steps did you take to assure that your sanity stayed at this level, especially when, when your amazing husband was out here in Utah? I don't know about amazing at the time. But, okay. Yeah, he was not amazing at the time. He was just an addict who had a commitment to be clean. And since then, he has become amazing. But how was it yes. back in those days? You know, it was a lot of grief. When you finally get out of a situation that you've been in for a long time, he was gone for three months. With his presence being gone and kind of that chaos being away from me, I was able to really see the magnitude of how big and bad and difficult my life had been for five years. So it was a lot of grieving that I went to counseling. I started with counseling a little bit. And I also joined one of the outpatient programs that Kevin was in for families. And I went to the family week at, uh, at the rehab that he was at. That's beautiful. What was it like rebuilding trust with Kevin? Very difficult. Like I like, well, I had expected it to be a very uphill, horrible, difficult battle. And that's because there was a lot of lying, incredible amounts of mistrust. The trust was shattered into bits and pieces. There was no rebuilding that in the natural sense, but he was very dedicated to his recovery. And he was very, very dedicated. I mean, I don't, 
I don't know very many people who are this, this dedicated to their recovery, but with it being so extreme, it was a lot easier. It made it a lot more manageable for me because he was very careful not to lie, even about the smallest things. Like it was very important to him to have that rigorous honesty, which is usually pretty ingrained, I would say in the Mm -hmm. programs that he was in. And that rigorous honesty has continued. What is it like to all of a sudden be just rigorous when, when someone is just rigorously honest with you? Because that had to be, at times, a bit of a challenge. Yeah. And I mean, even now, it's still a challenge to where I, I will question, uh, is he really telling me the truth? Just because... There was all that past in history of the deceit and and the amount that I believed one truth when it wasn't the truth. So it's very obvious and it's not obvious by what he says. It's obvious by his actions. You have to look at actions because, you know, an act, an addict will promise you something every single day. And, 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 and maybe they genuinely want to do that or are trying, but it'll fall through and it'll become false looking at what he's doing now all his actions add up to what he says and and there's not like a a discord with that and those are such brilliant words and if you're listening to this and you have someone that you know is actively in recovery one of the things that i will say is actions always speak louder than words so when you look at someone in your life carefully watch their actions. Now, Kevin, how does it feel to have this amazing lady talking, sharing? Well, I realize now that I've been in, uh, you know, in recovery for a little while, how blessed and how lucky I I am to have someone that stood by me and someone that, um, that realized, you know, she did a lot of work too. You know, a lot of times I think that the people that love the addict don't realize that they need to do some work on themselves as well. Uh, where Rachel took that right away and was was doing all kinds of work, really focusing on it. And it happened way before I went away to rehab or way before I even desired to get sober. She had started to set boundaries with me. She started to read different books on how to love someone who's an addict, things like that. And I realized that that's not always normal. A lot of people out there don't have that type of support. So I know how blessed I am. Um, She's definitely underselling how terrible it was for her and how hard this journey has been, I think. When you lie every day for five years about everything and you, you, you steal, you lie, you cheat, you're just, you know, you're not a good man and you come out of rehab, you know, it takes a lot of time to rebuild that trust. And it's something that we've said on this podcast. And it's something that Rachel and me say every day, pretty much is honorable action over time equals trust. So Rachel had set a lot of, a lot of benchmarks for me to make sure that I could, could build that trust back. And as I met each one, the trust got a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. And now that one thing that, uh, that Rachel is really great about too, is she understands that my recovery, it comes first. And so there's a lot of times when we have to make some sacrifices as a family to make sure that my recovery comes first. And I'm sure she doesn't like it. She doesn't ever let me know she doesn't like it, but she's extremely encouraging and, and very, you know, my biggest cheerleader about if I need to go to a meeting or if I have to go speak somewhere, if I have to, whatever it is I have to do, she's there to support me and do it. And then on the flip side, she's doing the same thing. She's going to different meetings, speaking at meetings, helping other people that are in the same position that she was two and a half years ago, where now we can help give back and support people that are uh, where we were. 
Rachel, what do you think? What's what thought is in your mind? I'm looking at you, and and for those of us in the audience, we're actually doing this on a Zoom, so I get to see this. And one of the things that strikes me is literally, Rachel, your courage, because the look on your face, literally, it just speaks volumes as Kevin was talking. So I really want to acknowledge you and thank you for whatever it took for you to courageously stand by this now amazing, then not so amazing, and just kind of a scoundrel of, of types. And now he has, because it seems to me that his recovery is solid, and your support is solid. And I know we cannot overlook God in this whole thing, or there's a greater power in play also, correct? Yes, Absolutely. I just remember praying. I was like, God, it'll take a miracle because I, I can't rebuild this. I can't make this work again. And it's not my fault. It fell apart. I can't bring this back together. You're going to have to do it. And it's going to have to be a complete 180. That is what happened. There was a complete 180, a complete change of action. And, and I will say too, part of support I, I'm just thinking about those, you know, still struggling to love an addict that's in active addiction. I, my heart is always with those still going through that chaos. And it, and it is just one of the lowest things to go through sometimes. And one, th- one book that I read, uh, the author's name is Leslie Vernick. She is a very good Christian counselor and author. She made a statement that compassion and empathy coupled with firm boundaries and tough consequences are the best teachers for a destructive or addicted person. And that's what I have really, I mean, that just summarizes really what you have to do as far as setting boundaries, not enabling, taking care of yourself. It feels wrong. It it feels like you're, you're making them mad. If you're making an addict mad, then you're probably doing the right thing, that sort of thing. But it's just really important to hold to those things. Mean what you say, say what you mean and pray, pray and pray and pray because it's not up to you. Yeah. When you give your burdens to your higher power, it almost creates a space of clarity in your own mind And as things get very clear, I love what you said. You got very strong with your boundaries. And if you made him upset, as long as you honored your boundaries, you're really assisting the person to strengthen their recovery. Because oftentimes when people are in recovery, they need the assistance, they need the boundaries, they need the courage that you were able to provide to him to really begin to show them a way to have it happen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What would you, yeah. any thoughts on that, either one of you? Yeah, I mean, it definitely takes a lot of courage to start implementing things that you were not doing before to really see the full picture of what's going on. Like when I started reading books and diving into stuff, I realized how messed up things were and it was scary and you almost don't want to look at it. And you're almost in your own place of denial. You know, he's denying his addiction. I'm denying that there's a problem. But when you do finally step out of the denial and can look at it head on, you can take action day by day start with small things. And I was not good and perfect at that by any means. Definitely took a lot of 
trial and error, but I, I just think that it's not going to be perfect. And that's the, the thing it's going to, there's going to be times when both of us have failed, mostly me when I was active in addiction, but you know, there, there are, there's not some special secret angelic person out there that's going to help make you get sober or vice versa, where you're going to be able to make somebody get sober. You know, Rachel helped push me in a, in a, into the direction of realizing that, you know, I had a problem uh, and then I had to make a choice, but she also had to make the choice to say, Hey, this either has to change or I'm done. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, the way that it works is like she said, she had the boundaries there. She definitely was very clear with them. And so I knew what I had to do. And so I had a choice to make and thank, thankfully that at the right time, at the right moment, I was desperate enough to make the, the right choice. And uh, she supported me the entire way through. Again, it hasn't been perfect. There's been a lot of bumps in the road, issues. We've had issues we've had to go through in, in recovery and in sobriety, all kinds of them. But it's it's so much easier to go through it now because there's, you know, honor, there's honorable, I'm an honorable guy. I'm doing the right things. And she always was honest. But now she has a partner that's honest and honorable as well. No, I just wanted to add that, um, you know, and then part of supporting supporting an addict and, or supporting recovery, allowing them to put their recovery first and all of that. But it's important too, as the as the spouse or as the loved one or the codependent, that you're not responsible for the consequences of their actions. You know, that was really hard for me because I felt a lot of responsibility and a lot of weight to figure out everything. So that that was really hard but just supporting yourself, <laughs> your recovery has to come first too. And then, you know, if you're both staying in your own lane, it, it just works out a lot better that way. One of the most powerful things I heard you say was you went through this process of trial and error, which means you, you did some things, they didn't work, you course corrected and you figured out what would work. I really want to acknowledge you because it takes work on both parts. You know, on, on the podcast, we often talk about the work that the person in recovery, but I really thank you because the person that's supporting them almost has to do as much, if not more work. And it is wonderful to see. Thank you. Yeah, I've, I've seen so many people, you know, whether I'm sponsoring them or I'm talking to them or have a relationship with them where they're, they're doing all this work and their spouse or loved one is not doing the work. And a lot of times it's, I don't blame them. We, we can't blame the person. They went through hell because of our addiction and the things that we did. So it's not blaming them, but it's hard then for this person as they're healing, as they're growing as a person, if other people are not trying to do the same thing, it does get hard. So I think that it's just so important to make sure that both parties are doing the best that they can. We all grow at different stages. I mean, I got to go to rehab for 90 days and focus on myself while she had to deal with life. Yeah. Yes. So of course I, wish I could have gone away for 90 days. <laughs> right. At that yeah. time too. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, we all kind of go at our own pace, but now it's, we've, we've both found our, our recovery plans and, and, you know, we do a meeting together every week, actually tonight we'll do it that we, we do, which is both for addicts and other, you know, people that have loved addicts or codependents or whatever you want to call them. And I think that it's pretty incredible, you know, to, to be able to walk through it together, understand each other's needs. We know that the phone rings a lot when you're in recovery, because somebody always seems to 
you know, need help or need something. It, uh, we both are ready for that. Know that it happens at all, all hours of the night. And what I really hear is teamwork. It's literally like team recovery. And I get that each of you is doing your own work. But then what is beautiful with both of you is that you've come together and literally you're doing the teamwork that it takes to actually grow back together, to grow the trust, to grow the love, and really to grow the community that will, that will support you both in a strong recovery. Yeah, definitely yeah. a strong support system is vital. Um, not just each other, but fellow addicts, fellow codependents, or, you know, people going through the same thing that you are, you can uh, learn a lot from other people going through the same thing or that have Mm -hmm. gone through the same thing. And your ability to share in those groups. It's funny because I've, I mean, I lead a lot of workshops. I I will say watching you two, you two are such a beautiful couple because it's easy to see where that love is between the two of you. Um, The signals and the looks really show that there is genuine and a living love between you two. For those out there listening, you've just got some insight to how a partner deals with someone that's going through the recovery process. If you're listening to this and you have a partner, please share this episode with them. It may get them on the same team as you moving forward so that you can empower your recovery and you can deepen your sobriety. So you've been listening to Sobriety Elevated. We want to thank you for listening. Wherever you're listening to this too, if you like what you hear, go ahead and follow us and rate us. And we look forward to being with you on the next episode. And Rachel, a big thank you to you for coming on and being so honest, being so vulnerable, and being so amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. (laughs) You bet. We will see all of you guys soon. Yep. See you guys later.